Welcome to Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, a movie lover. And I'm Sonia, a movie not lover. My mission is to make Sonia watch all the movies she's never seen. And my mission is to watch more movies and not always have to say, Nope, Never Saw It. So we started this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. So Gina? Yes, Sonia? I'm ready. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nope, Never Saw It. I am Gina, and with me always is the beautiful blanket-wearing Sonia. Hi, Gina. (laughs) I am wearing a blanket, poncho blanket. It is beautiful. It's, It's springtime, but it's a chilly, rainy day, so the blanket poncho is appropriate, and you look adorable. Thank you. My sister gave it to me. Oh, she has wonderful taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sonia, did you realize that this is our 10th episode? I thought it was our ninth. Well, it's our ninth official episode. It's 10 counting the intro, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, good. I was like, otherwise I can't count in our spreadsheet. It's all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's our, so it's our ninth movie discussion episode, but technically it's our 10th episode. Yeah, that's so exciting. We made it to the double digits and I hope people are still listening. Me too. I think they are. Yeah, I think so. Right? A few people. My sister's definitely still listening. Mine too. Yay. Thanks, sisters. Thanks, sisters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to be talking about Saving Private Ryan this episode. And I'm really excited to talk about this episode. And Sonia, I'm excited to hear what you thought of the movie. So before we get into that, we're going to start with our traditional friendship. Friendship. Sonia, I haven't talked to you in a while and there's so many things that I want to tell you. I have so many things that I want to share with you. So it was difficult trying to pick one thing, but I decided I want to talk to you about how happy I am that I mentioned that it's springtime. And I know by the time this episode airs, we'll probably be well into the summer, but right now it's springtime. And I'm really, really happy because track season has started. And I am just so happy because this is the most normal I have felt in over a year. I bet. Yeah. It's been amazing being able to be outside in the fresh air on my feet instead of in front of a computer working with kids in person instead Mm -hmm. of on zoom and and my kids my track kids and I work specifically with the distance runners they are the nicest kids I have ever known they're just like so good and they work so hard and they're so motivated and so polite I just love them so much so I am so happy that, that the season has started and I'm moving around. Maybe I'll be able to fit into my pants again because I'll burn some more <laughs> calories being on my feet. And that's something else to look forward to as we get closer to summer and bathing suit weather. God, <laughs> God help me. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> that's so lovely. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it so much already. Yeah, it's been, it's been so fun. So, I mean, today the weather was not so great, but, but that's okay. That's, that's all part of it. It's still a good time. Yeah. As they say, April showers bring May flowers. Wait, is that right? Yeah, that is right. Yeah, that's the thing. Why did that sound so wrong? (laughs) I don't know, but that's exactly right. (laughs) Okay. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. And that's my friend share. Oh, 
lovely. Um, it made me laugh when you said that you like, we haven't talked in a while and you have, you had so many things (laughs) to say because, so we were supposed to record this last week and, um, had to push it back a week. And I was partly thankful because I really had nothing. I was like, (laughs) I, I don't know what I'm going to do for my friend share. Like I literally have nothing new or exciting going on. Um, but you commented when we first got on the Zoom that it looked like I was in a different room. And that's because we had to do a little reorganizing in this room um, because Sean's mom gave us this rocking chair behind oh. me that belonged to his great grandmother. Oh, wow. um, so we made space for that. And then in the process, broke our old Ikea bookshelf. So then we replaced <laughs> it with this like table thing behind me. Okay. Um, but the real reason I'm bringing this up is because now I have like a perfect reading corner. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I had been struggling to have like a good reading space in the house that was away from like if the TV was on or, um, you know, if there were other people around in the house. And I mean, not that anyone's in the house right now, except me and the dog and Sean, but mm-hmm. um, I'm like, so excited about this little reading nook I just have to get a cushion or something for the chair you should get a cushion to match the poncho you're wearing and then you could wear your poncho as a blanket in your reading nook and you'll be all coordinated I would be that's a great idea and the color would look nice on the chair I think it would look really nice on the chair because you're wearing what is that sort of like a deep like reddish burgundy color yeah I think it's a little bit more like burnt umber okay. it probably doesn't translate quite oh, as well because okay. also the now lighting that... in here is not great um, all right when you hold it up like that I can see yeah. it better yeah well I think that's great I think it's important to have a reading nook I when when I got my patio redone a few years ago and I bought new patio furniture um I got one of those lounge chairs because I I said oh in the summertime I'm gonna sit out on my patio and I'm gonna read and you want to know how many times I've done that zero yeah because it's so hot and humid in the summer (laughs) I don't want to be outside reading I do love reading outside too and we have like a an outdoor couch and I have spent many hours on that couch reading outside but I like like really hot weather so yeah you know what you're inspiring me this summer I'm gonna make a point of sitting outside on that chair and reading I'm gonna do it yeah, you should with like a cool beverage, adult yes. or not, you know. I think there should be an adult beverage involved. Yeah. Maybe not the beverage that we're drinking right now. No, no. So that was another reason why I was really glad that we delayed because last Thursday was like beautiful and sunny out and today it's rainy and our drink is a spiked hot chocolate. Yes. So there are about a thousand and one ways to spike your hot chocolate. So Gina and I decided to just do whatever we wanted. We don't know how the other has done ours. So I'm very excited to hear how you spiked your hot chocolate. I'm excited to hear how you spiked your hot chocolate. (laughs) Do you want me to go first? (laughs) (laughs) I'll go first because, because I, I actually, I just sort of made this up, although I'm sure that this exists, but I tried this. um, If you remember, I told you that Brian and I started learning how to ski. 
Uh-huh. So we were going every week to Camp Ga, and there was one day when it was so, so, so cold outside. It didn't matter how many hand warmers I had. We were just freezing. And on the drive home, I said, I'm going to have a hot chocolate. And Brian said, that's a great idea. And then I thought to myself, I'm going to put alcohol in it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just, it was that kind of cold. So I added some Kahlua to my hot chocolate because what did we have Kahlua's for? Was it for the time bomb? Time bomb. Yep. So I've got this giant bottle of Kahlua and mm-hmm. it says rum and coffee something on there. So I thought, yeah. you know what, maybe this will be really good. And it was delicious. So my hot chocolate is I heated up some milk mm-hmm. and I have a Starbucks classic chocolate mix. So it's got this like dark chocolate taste to it. That's really delicious. So I added two heaping tablespoons of that to my milk and then one and a half ounces of Kahlua. Very nice. And it's delightful. Well, our drinks are very, very similar. Really? So yeah. So my hot chocolate is um, a, like a K-cup hot chocolate of uh, Swiss Miss. Mm-hmm. So it's not very fancy hot chocolate, but it's all I had. Um And I also was thinking about the time bomb and have like a giant bottle of Kahlua. So I thought I should use this. And then I also have a big bottle of spiced rum from another drink that we had. So I did one shot of spiced rum and one shot of Kahlua. Oh, also delightful. That sounds delicious. It's really good. I feel like you one upped me a little bit. I mean, I just took it to one extra level, but it looked like you had, did you have whipped cream on yours? No, I, I do not have whipped cream on mine. I wish I did. Um, I don't have any whipped cream with me, but, and when I made it, I wished I had some giant marshmallows. You know what? I'm an idiot because I have whipped cream and giant marshmallows and I didn't put either of those in my drink. Sonia. I mean, I kind of feel like we should pause and I should do that. <laughs> do you want to pause and it. get whipped cream? <laughs> no, it's okay. Can I also make a, a special shout out to our friend Joy Lynn because I'm drinking out of my favorite mug. Oh. And this is a mug that she made and gave to me years ago. And it is my absolute favorite mug. This mug sparks joy for me. I have uh, many, it was made by Joy. <laughs> I have many of her mugs. I chose a clear mug just for the photo op, mm-hmm. but then I ruined the photo op anyway by not oh. putting anything good in the drink. So but that's nice that you're drinking out of a mason jar. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's a good look. All right. Should we get into the movie? Yes. And I I just wanted to say I picked this drink because I felt like I needed like a comforting beverage um, to discuss this movie. And also, if anyone does choose to watch this movie and have our beverage along with it, I think you will need a comforting beverage. <laughs> I'll just say. <laughs> I, I think so. I also thought that you went with the hot chocolate because um, because it takes place in France. No, but that's another <laughs> good connection. Right? <laughs> okay, so let's get into this movie while we sip our spiced hot chocolate. Oh, we didn't take a sip together. Oh, it's been, you know, we, it's yeah, been long. It's been a while. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, I'm ready. Here we go. Saving Private Ryan was released in 1998, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Robert Rodat, starring Tom Hanks as Captain Miller, Matt Damon as Private Ryan, Tom Sizemore as Sergeant Horvath, um, Horvath, Horvath, Edward Burns as Private Reben, 
I don't know if I'm saying these names right all of a sudden. I think the I think the clue is already messing with me. Barry Pepper as Private Jackson. What a great name, Barry Pepper. I know. I love that name. Adam Goldberg as Private Mellish, Vin Diesel as Private Caparso, Giovanni Rubisi as the medic, and Jeremy Davies as Corporal Upham. Oh my God, what is wrong with me? I can't say these names. Upham is hard to say, I think. Yeah. All right. And in tradition of Nope Never Saw It, Sonia, I actually tried to limit myself to one movie per name because I feel like lately I've been going a little overboard all right and 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 there's a little voice in my head that was like Gina just like hold back on the reins a little bit save it so chill out out. (laughs) so I just have one movie per name and I'm gonna read off these movie titles and Sonia if you have seen the movie you can say of course I've seen it but if you have not seen it what do you say Nope, never saw it. Okay, here we go. So Saving Private Ryan was directed by Steven Spielberg. It was hard to pick just one movie of his, um, but the film title that I'm going with today is Catch Me If You Can. Yes, I've seen that. Okay, all right. And then the screenplay that was written by Robert Rodot, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, He also wrote the screenplay for The Patriot. Uh, is Mel Gibson in that? Yes. Yes, I've seen that. I saw it in the theaters, I think. You did? I know. Aren't you proud of me? I'm so proud of you. Oh my God. Two for two, Sonia. Wait, what happens if you get all of the movies? I win your car. Okay. Fair. (laughs) All right. Tom Hanks as Captain Miller. Again, really hard to just pick one movie, but I went with Castaway. Nope, never saw it. <gasps> Damn it, there goes your car. <laughs> oh, I get to pick, I get to keep my car, but you've never seen Castaway? Oh, it's a surprise. <laughs> I know, I don't know. But you've seen Forrest Gump, right? Yes, however. Why was there a pause? <laughs> because I've seen the whole movie, but only because I've like walked into the room at various points multiple times, but I've never like sat down to watch the movie. Okay, I think we're going to have to put this to a vote if that counts as you seeing the movie. That's because fair. how do you know if you've seen the whole movie? Because I've seen the beginning and then like left the room and then saw, like I know I've seen, I'm pretty sure I've seen the whole thing, but I, I think you're right. We need to put it to a vote. I think we're going to put this to a vote. So listeners, you may need to think about this. We already know that if you've fallen asleep during the movie, it does not count. But what if you've seen all of the movie, but in segments at different times in your life? Does that count? <laughs> that feels like the right way to watch a movie like Forrest Gump, though. <laughs> it's very symbolic. Fair. <laughs> okay. Um, Matt Damon, who played Private Ryan, was also in The Born Identity. Yes, I've seen all of those movies. <gasps> Whoa. All right. All right. Respect. Tom Sizemore. Um, was also in Natural Born Killers. Nope, never saw it. Okay. Edward Burns was in She's the One. I am not sure. Okay. If I have or if I haven't. Which I know I said I was just going to say one movie, but but he's also, but the movie I remember him in that I like is 27 Dresses. Have you ever seen that movie? Nope, never saw it. Okay. Um, Barry Pepper, I love that name. Oh, <laughs> Barry Pepper was also in the movie 61 Asterix. <laughs> nope, never saw it. Okay. That's actually a really good movie too. I feel like you would like that movie because it's a baseball movie. Yeah. 
I think, I mean, I, I feel like that's one of those movies that I've seen parts of, but not the whole thing. Because it was like on HBO or something all the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we have Adam Goldberg, who was in A Beautiful Mind. Nope. Never saw it. Oh, my God. I, Sean ruined that movie for me. Oh, but you still mm-hmm. need to see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so adding that to our list. Okay. Um, Vin Diesel voiced a character in the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, I've seen that. Okay. And then Giovanni, Giovanni, what is wrong with me? I can't say names. It's like when Hallie met Sari. What is happening to me? <laughs> Giovanni Rabisi was in the movie Avatar. Yes, I saw that movie. Okay. And then Jeremy Davies, Corporal Upham, was in the movie Twister. Nope, never saw it. Oh, that's a classic movie. All right, you did pretty well, Sonia, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there are a few movies that I can't believe you haven't seen. But that's okay. I still love you. And we're going to add them to our list. And we'll probably get to them at some point. Yeah. And then, and then if you remember from our last episode, Sonia, and all of our listeners, I had this revelation that every single movie we've watched so far has some kind of connection to the television show Friends. And so we are now out to prove that the show Friends is the center of all things. And we have added a new segment, Friends Connection. Mm -hmm. And Sonia, I have two Friends Connections from Saving Private Ryan, and I'm sure that you know exactly what those Friends Connections are. I do. Do you want to say them or do you want me to say them? Why don't we each say one? Okay. You want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, well, Mellish was Eddie, who was Chandler's roommate that wouldn't go. Yes. <laughs> and I could not not think of Eddie the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. It was it was very distracting. I'm sure it was. I always remember when he had that little goldfish cracker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he yeah. thought was a real he killed fish. my goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> he was amazing in that in that role. I love that yeah. cameo. All right. And then the other friend's connection is Giovanni Rabisi, um, who is the medic in Saving Private Ryan, but he also plays Frank, Phoebe's half brother on mm-hmm. Friends. And he has like a short role in an episode before he he's introduced as Phoebe's brother, but it's unclear if he's supposed to be Phoebe's brother or not. He's just like a guy on the street that Phoebe is like playing on the sidewalk and he had dropped a condom in there and then he like runs back to get it because he needs it. <laughs> oh, I remember that. That's Giovanni Rabisi. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I never realized that. Yeah. Damn, Sonia. Mm hmm. You know your friends. I really do. <laughs> you really, really do. I really do. All right. Okay. Last episode, Sonia, when I told you we were going to watch Saving Private Ryan, I asked you to tell me what you thought the movie was about. Would you like to hear your original plot summary? Yes. All right. Here is what you said last episode, word for word. Private Ryan has gone to war and he needs to be rescued because he's played by Matt Damon, who often needs to be rescued in movies. Apparently, that's like a thing like The Martian, Saving Private Ryan, um, and other movies. I will come to the next podcast with more. Um, so yeah, he has to be saved, maybe by his brothers, but that feels like I'm mixing up movies. So I don't know if it goes well or not, but we'll find out next time. So I stand by that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I did come with the list of movies where he needs to be rescued. So Saving Private Ryan, obviously, is one of them. The Martian is the other one. And then also Interstellar 
I can't remember really what the situation is, but I, I have seen that movie. I just can't remember it. That movie was very long. I've seen it once. I don't even, I didn't even remember that Matt Damon was in it. All I remember really is the thing with the bookcase. I remember that. All right. So let's hear your new and improved plot summary. Okay, here we go. War is hell. Captain John Miller and some of his men just survived the unsurvivable, the storming of Normandy Beach in 1944. And now he's been given another impossible mission, finding a needle in a stack of needles. So Miller assembles a group of his finest soldiers and the search for Private Ryan begins. You may be asking yourself, can they really find him? But the real question is, what is the cost of one man's life? Oh, Sonia, I can't even (laughs) drop the mic and walk away. (laughs) I feel like I write these with the goal of impressing you. So (laughs) you are my motivation. Well, you achieve that goal every single time. I'm always like, it's not going to be, it's not going to be as good as the last one, but it's always so good. Thank you. I was really hoping to like give you chills with that one. I did, especially when you're like, war is hell we should get sean to read them one time (gasps) we should yeah with his with his nice deep voice Mm -hmm. his trailer voice yeah see you there (laughs) (laughs) but anybody who listened to our trailer um that deep that deep masculine voice in the beginning and end is sonia's husband sean yeah yeah (laughs) he did a wonderful job he did so I'm excited to hear your first impressions of this movie. I remember the first time I saw it, I actually saw it when it was released in the theaters. And I mean, we're talking 1998, so over 20 years ago. um, And it's hard to remember exactly every single thing that I was thinking and feeling, but I do remember feeling very overwhelmed when I watched the movie, overwhelmed with with the realism of it um, and, and just the, the beauty of it. Um, it just felt, it felt very real to me. It felt like, and I mean this as a compliment, but it felt like the, the actors weren't acting, if that makes sense, not because, and I don't mean that in the sense that their performances weren't good because their performances are spectacular, but because it wasn't that over the top dramatic, you know, the acting that we, that we often see in war films. Um, it was just so um, authentic, I felt. Yeah. And, um, and it's a movie that, it's not a movie that I watch over and over again because it's so heavy, but it is a movie that I do come back to every couple of years because I, I think I do take something away from it every single time. Um, you know, as, and, th- and that's something that I love about film is that there are these stories that you can revisit and depending on where you are in your life, I think that different things are going to resonate with you. Um, so Sonia, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on your first time seeing this movie. Um, so you saying overwhelmed is a really good, is a really good word. And I would totally agree with that. So whenever, whenever we have a movie to watch, I always look at how long it is because, <laughs> you know like watching a movie for me (laughs) I know (laughs) a big commitment so when I saw that this one was like basically three hours long I had already made the decision that I was going to split it into two different days 
And I'm so glad that I did because I don't think I could have like emotionally made it through the whole movie in one sitting. Um, and so I, I will say if, if you listeners are someone who does not like violence or war movies, you should not watch this movie. Like absolutely do not watch this movie. However, if you don't mind violence or war movies or really, really like them, then this is this is the one to watch because it's so incredibly done. And I agree, like it, it felt very real. Um, and I saw actually on IMDb that someone had commented that like their grandfather who is like the bravest human alive could not watch this movie because it brought him back to actually being there, um, which is not surprising. It felt so, 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 so real. So yeah, real. absolutely. I, I believe that they had, um, I read that they had uh, established an 800 number hotline for, yep. uh, for veterans because this film did trigger a lot of trauma for, for those who fought in the war, I would imagine any war, but especially yeah. any, any, any uh, veterans from World War II, D-Day, um, man, that, that opening D-Day sequence on Omaha Beach. Yeah. How'd you, yeah. how'd you feel about that, Sonia? <laughs> um, it was really hard. I almost couldn't watch it. And it really, and it goes on. I, it's, it's 20 minutes long. Um, and the, the way it's shot, it's, we're brought right into the action. And again, it's not, it's what, what I think is so powerful about this film is that I, you feel as, as a viewer, I think we're very connected to what is happening because we're, we're in, we're in it with, with those soldiers from the moment they're on the boat, when you see the, the first one puking from seasickness or maybe seasickness and anxiety, because what are the chances of, of surviving um, mm -hmm. the, the tension that's established in the beginning, um, you know, them coming off of those Higgins boats, um, you know, sinking to the bottom because they have all of that gear, um, you know, the handheld cameras being, you know, going around and you know, seeing people get shot and it's just, uh, it, it's, um, it's dizzying really. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say the exact same thing. Like, I feel like from that, from that various first scene when, and the way that they shoot it, like they put you in the boat and then it sort of turns around. And I think you're exactly right. Like that scene, it builds the anxiety. And I, I, I assume the person that threw up was because it was the anxiety and the, like, I'm about to die. Um, and that sticks with you that like you feel so anxious within the first like 20 seconds of the movie and that stays with you the entire time or at least it stayed with me like I was just like so 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 super anxious um for the entire three hours <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean because it's established in the beginning that this is what war is there's no guarantee that you're going to survive and and even when we become attached to this group of soldiers who are being sent on this mission to rescue Private Ryan. Um, I feel, I felt very attached to them from the beginning, mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting because we don't, you know, we don't know that much about them, but we can see the camaraderie and the brotherhood that, that they have. And, and there's something about that that pulls me in. But at the same time, like, at any moment, any one of them could die. 
Yeah. And I think that added to the anxiety too. Like when um, you are watching them, obviously in these very dangerous situations and, you know, your anxiety is really high, but even in the moments where it's like the low points where they're just sort of walking through the woods and then all of a sudden, you know, they have to hide because they see an enemy somewhere or, you know, pretty much any low point, you know, that someone could come out of anywhere and take one of these guys down and I felt the same way I was incredibly attached to all of them to the point where I was like I'm not I'm not saying who my favorite character is because the second (laughs) I do they're gonna die and I just don't think I can handle that yeah Um, I I had read somewhere that um you know kind of tying in with that camaraderie that that we see on screen um the those actors went through a 10-day boot camp did you read about this I did and except for Matt Damon right yeah (laughs) and because he wanted because Spielberg wanted the other cast members to resent him which I feel comes across pretty well yeah I would (laughs) say so I mean for sure I you know it's interesting too like that anxiety as I was saying stuck with me throughout the movie but I think also the fact that I watched it in two parts. So I watched the first part of it on Saturday and then the second part on Sunday. And then Saturday night, I had like weird dreams. Like not, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remember like waking up and being like kind of scared or nervous and Mm -hmm. and like, you know, immediately thought like, that's because I watched that movie. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) What is Gina doing to me? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Thanks a lot. I didn't mean to give you nightmares. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. So what Um, were some other things that stood out to you? I think the other thing, you know, in terms of like the realism of, of all of it, I think it was captured really well, almost in a way that I didn't know it would be. And I've read a number of novels that are based during World War II. And in particular, I remember reading one and they were describing it was not about the soldiers. It was about the other people in France at the time. And there was a scene where they were describing this woman who was like in her home, but her home had been destroyed um, because of all of the bombing and the fighting. And they were, they were describing it as like missing a wall. And I was like, I don't understand how that happens or what that could even look like. And then there's like that exact visualization in the film where the the company is walking through a destroyed town and they come across that family with the two children. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like that, that's what that was. And it's just, it's in, I thought, I thought it was so interesting that my brain couldn't put that together because I'd never seen something like that. And you can like, you can picture it, but it's, it's, it's almost so abstract until you actually see it. It was, I was like, that can't, that can't be, but it was. It, yeah. it absolutely was, which is horrifying. And that was an intense scene too. That was with the when they were trying to pass on the French girl to the yep. the uh Caparcio. Okay, uh the Car- Caparzo. Oh my god. <laughs> I cannot say names today. That's okay. That's the theme. Gina cannot say names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One there was something really interesting that that I had noticed you know, the, the, all of the, the leads are men, mm-hmm. obviously world war two, you know, we're focusing on, on the battlefield and soldiers. Um, there are females in the film, but one thing that I noticed was kind of interesting was that all of the women in the film are silent. 
the only woman we ever hear speak is private Ryan's wife. Mm-hmm. You know, when he asks her at the end, you tell, you know, to tell him that he's a good man and he led a good life. And, you know, so of course, of course, but up until that point, any woman that we see in the film doesn't speak. She doesn't have a voice. So like the mother who has already lost her three sons and we see them deliver, you know, driving to their farmhouse and they're going to deliver this letter to her and she just collapses on her porch. Isn't that Ryan's mom? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then um, the women who are typing the letters uh, to notify families of that their son has died in combat. And even the woman who discovers that this one mother has lost three of her four sons and she goes to tell um, the, the officer about it. It's, you know, behind this closed door in this window and we don't actually hear her speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that was really, I don't know why that is, like why we, I, I don't know. And maybe that means nothing, but it was just something that that stood out to me this this viewing. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I I guess I just sort of saw those those parts as like montages of moving the story forward or showing you the emotional reaction to certain things happening and maybe maybe that's part of it too. It's it's trying to to pull on the emotion of those things. So sometimes those scenes are better without dialogue. Um but that's interesting. I wonder I will never watch this movie again because I don't think I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I ever did, I would really pay attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that was interesting with the scene where they go to notify Ryan's mother about the death of her sons, and maybe you you saw this in your research too. I didn't I didn't notice this. Um, so again, this would be a scene I would watch out for, mm-hmm. but won't um is they show like a family photo of the boys but there's like a there's something in something like natural naturally occurring in a house that's obstructing the face of Matt Damon so you don't see who that person is because you're not supposed to know who Private Ryan is I guess oh I never noticed that before yeah try to remember that for the next time you watch. I will. (laughs) Well, an interesting fact, um, Matt Damon was offered the role, Steven Spielberg wanted an unknown for the role of Private Ryan. Um, And he actually met Matt Damon through Robin Williams when they were filming Goodwill Hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and he was, you know, auditioning given the part, but then Goodwill Hunting just exploded (laughs) and he was no longer this unknown actor. So... But I don't feel like that ruins anything for the film. Although I, I, I think, I mean, maybe it would be, I don't know. I mean, do you think that would change anything if we, if Ryan were played by an actor we had never, ever heard of? I think it just takes away from when they find Minnesota Ryan and it's not him and you don't know that right away. So I feel like that's the only thing it just sort of, that I feel like that was almost supposed to be more of a plot point. And then I think watching it now, it's almost funny in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know that it's not him because you know, Matt Damon is private Ryan. Right. Um, so it's almost like a, like a comedic moment where, you know, they think they found him, but it's Ryan is such a common last names. Lots of Ryan's probably have brothers. So you know, the mistaken identity 
situation happens. Yeah, it's a, there's some there's some dramatic irony there, right? Yeah. And it happens at a point in the movie where I think as an audience, we have to assume, well, there's no way they found him already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that was way too easy. Yeah, it's like in an episode of Law and Order when they think they have the killer in the beginning and you're like, no, no, there's yeah. only, you're only 15 <laughs> minutes into the episode. There's a lot more to go. There's a lot more to go. But what is interesting is that when they do find uh, Ryan, and and I always forget this, that we still have that whole battle that happens afterwards. And I've seen this movie so many times. And every time I see it, um, when they find Private Ryan, I'm like, oh, okay, we're almost at the end. But then there's at least another 30 or 40 minutes to go because that that final battle sequence is, I think, another 25 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, all of the, the buildup and the preparation that leads up to it. So there's still a good chunk of movie left. But, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think I kind of like that we know who the actor is. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's more exciting because when, when you do see Matt Damon, you're like, oh, thank God, you know, it, there's not that mystery of, oh, is this the Ryan? You just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they found the needle. They found the needle in the stack of needles. Mm-hmm. Nicely said. Thank you. No, I didn't <laughs> write that line. I just quoted it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I also was so surprised by how many random people were in the movie. Like I was like, Ted Danson. I know, right? Brian Cranston. Is that Paul Giamatti? Like what is happening? (laughs) Can I tell you, this was the first time I realized that Brian Cranston was in the movie. Well, there you go. I I bet next time you watch, you'll recognize somebody else. Oh my gosh. I didn't know. And and it was funny because I was watching it with my son, Brian. And before we saw Brian Cranston, Brian was said, oh, we're going to see Brian Cranston. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then there he was. How did he know? um, He's seen the movie before. Oh, okay. And he's a big Malcolm in the Middle fan. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's seen Breaking Bad, but... Yeah, we'll give him a couple more years before he watches that one. (laughs) I mean, but he did watch Saving Private Ryan, so. That's true. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but at least that you could be like, this is history. (laughs) Right, yeah, true. And what was interesting is that Brian is such a history buff that I was asking him a lot of questions while we were watching it. You know, I was Mm -hmm. like, what is that? What is that? What's happening here? Um, So that was kind of fun to get a little tutorial. But yeah, when I saw Brian Cranston, I wrote in my notes, Brian Cranston, exclamation point, two exclamation points for Brian Cranston. And may I say, he was looking very handsome. He always does. Right? But yeah, Brian Cranston, Ted Danson, Paul Giamatti. um, Nathan Fillion. Who's that? (laughs) Um, I think he was on Castle and he was in that show Firefly. He's like one of those people that um, is in a lot of things. Okay. If you look him up, you'll totally know who I'm talking about. Okay. He has like a pointy nose. Okay. Well, next time I watch this movie in a few years, I'll look for the pointy nose guy. Mm -hmm. And what was the other thing I'm looking for? Oh, the picture. The picture. Of the Ryan brothers. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. There are a lot of of recognizable faces. And especially, you know, I think this was Vin Diesel's. Was this his first movie? Something like that. I had read too that he wasn't very well known. And I was I was surprised to see him. I was like, oh, Vin Diesel's in this. I didn't know that. It seems like I would have known that because now he's like a pretty big star. Yeah. The whole movie, like it was as I, I think I used the word like horrifying a couple of times, which I feel bad saying because this is just the reality of what 
that was. And it is, you know, it is horrifying. Um, but I also really appreciated how, how the beautiful moments were captured and the, the camaraderie, as you say, between people and really caring about other humans which feels a little ironic because it's war and you're just killing the enemy no matter what but you you know at, at least the people that you're on the same side with you know from everything from you know the fact that they even took this mission to find this person who they didn't know because they understood the importance of it and whenever somebody died they would take the letter that they had in their pocket to make sure that it would be passed along to the next person to, you know, all the, the, the moments of trying to laugh and, you know, having, having jokes with each other, you know, what is, what's captain's job? Where is he from? You know, what's the, what's the pool at right now on that? And just, you know, it, it sort of helps you see a little bit of the humanity in a time where it feels like there, there isn't any. But, and also coupled with that is this desensitization to death. You know, yeah. like you said, when, when, when one of their brothers dies, they take the letter, they take the dog tags, but they really don't have time to mourn, mm-hmm. you know, someone dies and, and you keep going. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see that there's that bond, but then once they lose somebody, it, it's very mechanical take the letter, take the dog cat tag, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is also, you know, I, I guess, again, overwhelming that, you know, to have to be in a situation like that. And, and even, you know, this mission that they're on, I, I don't know if they're, I never felt like they thought it was important. I think they, you know, just knew that they were following orders. And again, that was part of their job. Um, mm-hmm. Because we see so many times, I, I don't think any of them at any point, to my to my recollection, you know, talk about oh this poor mother who's lost three of her sons, um, you know, we need to find this guy and send him home because how devastated will she be if she loses all of them? Um, you know, I think they all are resentful that they are being taken away from one mission um, and have to follow these orders for this mission, which to them seems pointless and and futile compared to everything else that they've done up to that point. And it comes up a few times. And I think that that's also why I put it in the summary, like, why are we going to get this guy? But like, what about me? Like, I'm going to die doing this. And no one seems to care. And I I think maybe that's why in my head, I just made the connection that they were doing it for the reason of bringing him home to his mom because she had already lost so much. But I, I agree. I think, I think you're right. There's, there's definitely the aspect of like, you're just following orders. And, and it is amazing. I think you had mentioned earlier how they, they survive storming the beach at Normandy. They, they survived D-Day, but only one of them survives saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Two of them. Two of Don't them. Two of them. I know, um... Uh, uh, Edward Burns, Private Reben. Yeah, and Upham survives too. Oh, that's right. Upham survives too. That's right. Yeah, just the two of them and everybody else dies. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was really interesting how Spielberg 
in the beginning, in the, in the D-Day sequence, we see the American soldiers as the heroes and mm-hmm. the German soldiers as the villains, you know, of course. Um, but what's interesting, I think, is that in the last battle at Rommel, I feel like the, the roles have been reversed, right? Because you have the Americans trying to invade Omaha Beach and the Germans are trying to stop them, but then you have the Germans trying to invade Rommel and cross that bridge, but then the Americans are trying to stop them. Um, so, I, and I don't know if that was done purposefully, but in this viewing, it, I took away from it that regardless of which side you were on, you're still, they're, they're very much the same. They're not fighting for the same thing, but you're still killing other people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, who are, who are fighting for a cause that they believe in, or although I will say in the case of the German quote unquote, German soldiers, you know, German, Germany, I believe when they had invaded, was it Poland and Czechoslovakia, they had captured men and then just put them in a German uniform and made them fight for them. Um, So these are soldiers that did not choose, you know, Mm -hmm. to fight for Germany. Um, But, uh, and, and if anybody, any history buffs who are picking apart all of the errors that I'm making, please let me know. I am no, a same. teacher, not a history teacher. I did not like my history classes at all in high school. But anyway, um, I, you know, I, I just, I thought that that's something that I took away from it. And I don't know if that's what um, Spielberg was trying, one of the things he was trying to say in this film, um, you know, there is a lot of, you know, Spielberg was Jewish and there's a lot of anti-Nazi sentiment, you know, threaded through a lot of his films, which is completely understandable. Yeah, I'd um, say that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, um, I mean, to your point, like, about just, it's, it's people just trying to, like, survive in this horrible situation that I don't think most people wanted to be in. And I think, you know, there's that one scene where it's during the Battle of Rommel where after that soldier kills Eddie, I can't remember his actual name, his character's name. Oh, Private Mellish. Mellish and then the other guy. I had a hard time remembering people's names. But he comes down the stairs and he walks by Upham and, Mm -hmm. you know, Upham was supposed to be giving everybody ammo, but he's just so freaked out. And so the guy's coming down the stairs, he sees Upham like in tears, clearly not ready to defend himself or do anything. And he even takes his hands off of his weapon Mm -hmm. when he sees that soldier coming. And, you know, I thought this is it. This is the end of Upham. But that soldier, too, I think recognizes, like, this person's not going to hurt me, so I'm just going to walk by him, and, you know, there's no need. He's not attacking me, so I'm not doing anything. And I feel like that was that was maybe an attempt to try to humanize both sides of, like, of, of the war, and no one really wants to be doing this, but we have to for whatever I mean that's a debatable point but Mm -hmm. you know I think that that was just trying to show like they're just they're soldiers 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I think you're right. I, I think he definitely tries to humanize both sides and, and also vilify. Um, I, I'm thinking of the scene where the, I think it's um, private Reben. So Edward Burns character and um, was it private Mellish? And I forget who else. And they're going through the dog tags mm-hmm. that they were given. Um, and they're trying to see if any of them are Ryan. Yeah. You know, and then they start trading them like poker chips. And then you have all of these other um, soldiers marching by and watching them. And they sort of, again, there's like that. And and I don't think they're necessarily being evil, you know, like mustache twirling (laughs) villains here. But um, there is something a little um, cold about it. Yeah, because in that moment they're, but again, maybe that's how they cope. You know, I think you, I would imagine if you're in a context like that, an environment like that, where there's so much death, again, you have to disconnect in some way um, or else, or else you, you're not going to make it. Yeah, I agree. I think it was, I, I, I agree. I think it was them just like trying to like not make light of a bad situation, but just like everything is so horrible. So if there's like any, anything you can do to like make yourself laugh or something in that situation, you'll do it. And then, you know, I I can't remember, it might've been the medic that scolded them and was like, Mm -hmm. guys, stop. And they did, you know, I think they, they pulled it in. Gosh, the movie's so haunting. It really is so haunting. Yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the most haunting moments for me is when um Giovanni Ribisi's character dies Mm -hmm. that 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 scene gets me every single time Mm -hmm. um and I don't know if I mean a lot of it is again because we're so at that point I feel very invested in all of these characters yeah and and you know it's not just about finding Private Ryan, but it's about them surviving that quest Mm -hmm. um and he and he's not going to make it and I think what makes it really difficult, more so than when um, Vin Diesel's character Caparso dies, is that he's the healer. Uh-huh. You know, he's the one that that you know helps uh, it, when someone gets hurt, and yeah. they're losing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that makes I, I feel like there's definitely a shift at that moment in the story because to me things feel a little bit more desperate yeah it's funny that you picked that scene too because that was the last um, that was the last scene that we watched in the first half Mm -hmm. so I think that's partly why I had like weird dreams that night because I just couldn't stop thinking about it and you're right his performance is incredible but all of them are even even Tong Hanks and again I, I know I had said in the beginning how um I felt like they weren't acting I remember the I do remember the first time I saw the film because Tom Hanks had been nominated for an Oscar again for this film uh, for best actor. And I remember the first time I saw it thinking, well, why? But, you know, watching it this time around, I, I, I get it. And his character is really, really interesting too. Um, I, and, and something that I picked up on, and I've probably noticed this before. And again, and I don't know if this was intentional, but, and you had mentioned it about how they had this pool about, like what his job was when, you know, when he wasn't in the army, is that what the pool was for? It was, yeah. His, yeah. It was either where he was from or what his job was or like 
some combination of both any of those anything about him, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Who is this man? <laughs> any any personal details outside of his name? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and I think it's I think it's interesting that up until the moment when he does share with them anything personal about himself, that he he does disconnect from them. Again, we have that disconnection, that that detachment, and maybe for him that's how he survives. But I did notice that once he once he does share information about his personal life, I think up until that point, he seems to me very infallible and godlike, but, but then once he, once he does get personal and he, and it's, and what's interesting is I also read that there was supposed to be a whole monologue when he tells them about himself, but then they decided, and I don't know if it was Tom Hanks or Spielberg, it might've been Tom Hanks who had said, you know what? I don't think he would talk this much. Mm-hmm. So they, so they just shortened it to these very simple details that, yeah. that he shares. I think that was the right call. Yeah, I do. I do too. Um, it seemed like once that happens, he's made himself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting. Um, there's in, I think it's in that same scene where, or maybe it's when he's talking to Matt Damon, I just call them by their actor names because it's all good. <laughs> it's just easier to keep track. Um, <laughs> I think they're talking about they're sharing memories from back home and it might have been when Matt Damon told the story of the last time he saw his his four brothers which by the way apparently was completely ad-libbed right yeah yep um and then he says to Captain Miller like oh tell me about your wife or something and he's like nope that's just for me um and again I could totally be mixing up when that actually happens but we're just going to go with this um but I brought it up because it <laughs> reminded me of in Stand By Me, when I had asked you about why Gordy didn't tell anyone about the deer. Oh, and I yeah. feel like it's like the same concept of having, just having something for yourself and something that you don't share with anybody else. So it doesn't change its perception of how that happened to you or how you think of somebody. Um, and I just made that connection between the two movies and wanted to share that because this oh, is a yeah. podcast. <laughs> I <love> it. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I, and I think that that, that is what, something that I really like about that character that, especially because he is, um, he does outrank them. So he is, you know, he's in command of all of them. So in it, I think it is important for him to, be more detached than the rest of them Um, because I think the more they get to know him I think the more difficult um, it would be as a leader I feel to maintain charge of your of your group I don't know and and this is speaking as as a teacher and a coach you know I'm not sharing every detail of my personal life with my students and my athletes Mm -hmm. um Cause I think that there are certain, there need to be boundaries. Totally. Um, but I, and I also love that the, that those details, you know, that, because I think there's something very sacred about being able to keep things for just yourself. And I think we talked about this with stand by me. I don't, I don't know if there are any, you know, experience that I've had that I've never shared with anybody, you know um, I, I think that, I, I think that, you know, if every person that I've ever known, you know, put all their heads together, you'd have my entire life story. Well, that's so interesting. 
is it? Well, <laughs> only because I think that I think if you put every person that knows me together, you would not have mine. But I wanted, I wanted to go back to what you were saying about like not sharing too much of yourself. And I think that I, I feel like he did that too, because it goes both ways. And as the leader of this group, he needs to be a, like, he needs to be objective and assign people to do things and not choosing who he likes or who he's closer with. But I think, I think in a way there was, I think Horvath was like his, his like BFF somehow, I don't know if they like were in the war together before or something, um, but just even the camaraderie he had with him, I think had that extra layer to it where like the jokes he made with him, like, oh, I thought you were my mom. Um, <laughs> and they're when they're going to, um, gosh, I can't remember what it was, but it was like their side mission. They like came across that radio tower or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, we have to, we have to like stop these people because then the next troop that comes by is going to get killed. And they were Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who was going to run up to, to, to deal with it. And Horvath was like, oh, I'll go. And, and Miller said, no, you won't take the middle or I'm describing this so badly, but I think you know what (laughs) scene I'm talking about. I know exactly which scene you're talking about. Yeah. Like, I feel like he didn't want him to go, um, because, you know, for whatever reason, he knew that he shouldn't, or like he wasn't in good shape or something, but, Mm -hmm. or just didn't want him to put himself in danger. Um, Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I wonder if their rankings played a role in that too, because, you know, Miller is captain and then Horvath is sergeant and mm-hmm. the rest of them are privates, except for Upham, who is corporal. I actually looked this up because I, I wanted to know the rankings. Would you like to? Well, hear- I'm glad you did. Yeah. Yeah. You want to hear the order? So this is the order of military rankings. Now, there are a lot of um, levels in between, but these this is the basic order for army rankings. So lowest is private, and then corporal, then sergeant, then lieutenant, then major, then colonel, then general Okay. for the army. I can't wait to listen to that again. <laughs> when you listen to the podcast yeah because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I will forget it but it's I find that interesting I was I was just curious this time around because I and especially with Miller and Horvath because I assume that Miller was ranked higher as captain but and Horvath is a sergeant and everyone else is private so I I figured that that might be another reason why the two of them are a little closer um because of their ranking because they both outrank everybody else yeah um but but yeah but they're definitely there there's a there's like a level of trust between the two of them and understanding between them that um it's almost like they're like the the parents (laughs) of this group of boys (laughs) yeah you're right you're right and and maybe my theory too that they had served together before is true because they're Mm -hmm. they're both of that higher rank so they probably had some more time in the army together do we want to move into categories i think we should move into the categories okay before we share our answers for the categories can you give us a point recap I can. Um, we are currently at 17 points. So if we score three points in this episode, then I get to pick the next movie. This is very exciting. 
very exciting and also a little nerve wracking because anything could happen. Anything could happen. We could score zero points mm-hmm. and go five more episodes without <laughs> getting these three. I sure hope that doesn't happen. Lousy points. I hope that doesn't happen either. And for anybody who's who might be listening to us for the first time, in this section of our podcast, we we have specific categories, and Sonia and I have come up with our own answers. And if our answers match then we get a friend point and we're trying to get 20 friend points because when we hit 20, then Sonia gets to pick the movie. And we are so close. Our ninth movie that we're talking about, we're three points away. So this is a momentous occasion. This is, and and this could be really, really exciting. Yeah. Or a huge letdown. (laughs) And in which case, then if it's a huge letdown, the next episode, it'll be a really momentous occasion. Yeah. And and it's okay. I've got a good movie picked for, for next time. If it comes to that. Um, Me too. Oh my God. So (laughs) it's, it's a win, win. It is a win, win, win. (laughs) Okay. So our first category is favorite character. And my favorite character was private Jackson. Private Jackson. He is the sniper in the group. Oh, yes. And I, I mean, you know, I always pick a lot of times, I pick the character that I think is the most badass. I think it was him. I also love that every time, like, he would shoot, he would always say hilarious things, which, I mean, it's not really hilarious, but it, like, it was one of those things that lightened the mood. So for example, he would like line up his shot and he would say something like, blessed be the Lord, my strength with teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Then would shoot, like hit someone perfectly where he was aiming. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer fires again, my shield and he in whom I trust. Just such a good character. That is a great character. I do love that character. And also because it's Barry Pepper, who is a wonderful actor with a fantastic name. Seriously. Barry Pepper. Mm-hmm. Barry Pepper, if you're listening, just know that we love your name. <laughs> and I have to say, I knew pretty early on that he was my favorite character, but I would not admit it. Because as I said before, I was afraid that then he would die. And mm-hmm. truly, when I admitted it in my heart, he was my favorite character. He like died in the next like three minutes. I was oh. like, damn it. <laughs> this is my fault. But he makes it so far. He's one of the last mm-hmm. to die. And the way he goes out too is so heroic. That's you. a really great answer. Private Jackson. Yeah. Thank you. We did not get a point for this one. Okay. My answer is super random. Okay. <laughs> I had a I had a hard time with a lot of these categories actually. Um and I, I don't know why. I because especially for like least favorite or worst this and that, because this whole film is so is so good. I, I would argue that this is the best war film that has ever been made. I would um, agree. Yeah. But I picked as my favorite character. <laughs> paratrooper michelson who is the guy who had the grenade go off by his ear and couldn't hear anything but knew (laughs) but knew who private ryan was and where you could find him he was a great character (laughs) he is my in this particular viewing i will say i love private jackson i love barry pepper in this movie and i also love giovanni rubisi in this movie so it was really hard but this movie for this viewing 
paratrooper Michelson sparked so much joy for me because first of all, I, I just loved, I loved the performance and I love that he doesn't realize how loud he's talking, <laughs> but also his contribution to the story completely changes the trajectory yeah. because up until this point, you know, they've, they, they don't know there's, they feel completely hopeless. They're never going to find this guy. They're pissed that they're they've been set on this mission they're going through dog tags like poker chips um you know the and, and even just like that pile of dog tags of all of these these soldiers who died mm-hmm. is overwhelming um and then and then this guy comes along he's like yeah 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 i know him he's on you know and and all of a sudden it like everything just completely changes um and sonia since since we have since i mentioned ryan hurst who plays paratrooper michelson he was in two movies that I really love. I'm going to ask you if you've seen them. Okay. So the first one is Remember the Titans. Not the whole thing. Okay. And then The Lady Killers. Nope, never saw it. Okay. That's another Tom Hanks movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, but that was my that was my favorite character this time around. That's respectable. Thank you. Um, for worst character, I went pretty typical um I wanted to just say the war in general but I feel like sometimes I take out I take these cop-out answers so I (laughs) identified a specific character and apparently this character's name is Steamboat Willie is that who you chose to that's who I chose to just the worst so this is the soldier the German soldier who they let go after um the medic dies and Mm -hmm. then Someone make the Ed. I'm just saying their names. Edward Burns and pretty much everybody else get in a fight about letting him go. Mm-hmm. And Edward Bur- Edward Burns is like, he's just gonna like they're gonna pick him up and then just put him back in rotation. And that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. But he gets his his comeuppance. He does, Willie. Yeah. That. What do you think? Now, here's what's interesting about that, because I, and I'm always, you know, having seen the movie, I know how things turn out. And, and it turns out that, that Edward Burns's character is correct. That's exactly what happens. But, but you can also, I don't know, like, I also see that, um, that moral dilemma, you know, it's like, yeah. well, do we kill him now? But, but then we're killing him. Right. You know? but we've been killing so many people and he's killed people. So does he deserve to die? Um, you know, but yeah, but in letting him go, you know, that he's going to continue to fight and, and, and kill. And, you know, it's like, do you think, even though we know that, you know, he, like he does come back and he does kill more people, you know, was letting him go the right decision like should they uh, this is I don't know and wasn't he the one who ultimately got the kill shot on Miller was it him I don't know you know what I I also found it hard sometimes just in general to know who was who because everyone was wearing all of their gear yeah well someone can tell us if they know the answer yeah someone tell us if you know the answer but I think to your point isn't that also a part of it that that part of like dehumanizing yeah, you know, by by not being able to tell all the time who's who, and, mm-hmm. and who's killed who, and um, yeah, I think again that 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 takes us out of that um, 
that emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know why he was called Steamboat Willie? I think because when we first meet him, when, when they've captured him and he's trying to plead for his life and he talks about how much he loves America and he starts mm-hmm. listing off all of these American things and he mentions Steamboat Willie. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably because I was like sobbing. <laughs> After the death. Right. Probably why I missed that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, so least convincing performance. I'm actually sort of excited about my answer now because we've talked about this sort of tangent. Tan- nope. Just edited me out. <laughs> trying to say that word. Um, I chose Kathleen Byron, who okay. is the actress who played Private Ryan's wife when they're old (laughs) because she played that scene all wrong like I feel like especially at that moment so you I mean I think it's not hard to guess in the beginning that that's who that character is but you have a couple guesses who it could be Mm -hmm. and then you know the whole movie is basically spent trying to evaluate the value of this person's life over everybody else's Mm -hmm. and so then at the end he has this moment when he's visiting the people who have saved his life and he's asking like have I had a good life and she's kind of like okay of course they're there oh you you're asking that question again like I felt like she was so unsympathetic or un, not understanding like I would have been like and especially in this in this graveyard I would have been like of course you have had an amazing life look at your beautiful family behind you who has come here with you and is so happy that you're here and that you survived something that so many people didn't you have had an incredible life and I love you so much that's what I would have said that's so beautiful, Sonia. Well, Matt Damon, if you're listening, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> I won't marry you, but I'll tell you you're a real good actor or something. And I, or or a man who played older Matt Damon. Well, Sonia, when when we're really, really old and I feel like my life is worthless, will you give me that speech? When I say, was it worth it? Then I'll you- give you that speech now. Your life is not worthless. You are an amazing friend and woman and mother and teacher and everything. Let me, let me throw something at you. Cause remember when I said earlier, how I noticed that all of the women in the film are silent except for her. Mm -hmm. What if she were also silent and instead of saying anything, she just holds him Mm -hmm. and, and just comforts him and, and lets him and, and not let him cry like, oh God, you know, like looking at her watch, like Jesus, this again, you know, but just sort of like being that, you know, that, that mm-hmm. blanket for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that would have been better. I would have added also like a tear in her eye, like a very like subtle nod. And maybe like she puts her head on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think in a moment like that, what, especially, and, and I think in a moment like that, words aren't going to do anything Mm -hmm. because whatever you think or feel um is what you think or feel and I don't I you know I I don't know you know it's like it's like when when you when you 
talk to your parents and you're like, I'm ugly. And they're like, no, you're not. You're beautiful. And you're like, you don't believe them because like, you have to say that because you're my mom. Yeah. And I look like you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I had a different answer. (laughs) Okay. My, I, I actually like my answer a lot, but it's very different. My, my answer for worst or least convincing performance were the Czech soldiers in the beginning of the, after the D-Day scene who tried to explain that they weren't German and so <laughs> got shot. They clearly were not convincing enough. Yeah. That you took that one literally. I did. <laughs> um, and, and I, and it, I mean the, you can look up what they said, but Lee, who's my boyfriend, who's Czech, you know, he just recently rewatched it also. Um, and you know, so he was trying to listen carefully to what they were saying. And he said, and, and it does say online that they're, they're actually saying we're not German we're Czech. We didn't kill anybody. Please don't shoot us. Like they're uh-huh. essentially saying that. Um, and then, but the Americans don't understand what they're saying. They're like, what you, what you washed your hands for dinner and then they shoot them. Mm-hmm. So that was my worst or least, least convincing performance. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair answer. Um, so for best performance, I chose Jeremy Davies, who played Upham. Okay. And I thought you would appreciate my answer because I feel like his character went through the most drastic kind of character arc. Um, because when you first meet him, he's like this fumbling character and he like wants to bring his typewriter and like clearly doesn't understand you can't bring your typewriter to this sort of situation and then he like drops his helmet and he's just um just you're sort of like why are you there and obviously he's there because he's the translator like he has a very very unique skill and isn't really meant for battle and and not that he ever becomes somebody meant for battle um but I also think that he's sort of the character that a lot of times represents the audience of just how he's completely horrified by what's going on. He has one line, it's shortly, I think it's the same scene where they're talking about what they should do with Steamboat Willie. And he says something like, what is happening? And that was almost my favorite line because I feel like there were so many times where I was thinking that too. Like, not not that I wasn't following the story, but just like, how could this possibly be happening? Like, this is so messed up. And to know that these are things that really happened, how is, what is happening? How is this possible? Um, but then I think at the end, he kind of comes full circle. Like, he's ultimately the one that shoots Steamboat Willie. And, you know, he finally recognizes why, why people are doing what they're doing and not in a way that is cruel necessarily but I think he you know he feels the camaraderie amongst the men that he has just spent these several days with he has seen them die and he I think the whole time has been trying to be be the person who's like you know everybody's on the same you know every we're not on the same side but we're all humans we're all people And then I think he just, he reaches that point where he's just pissed. He's just like, you just killed my friends and you're, you know, if I don't do this, you're going to possibly keep killing more people. And I, I, you know, I think he just, he, he played that all very well. I think he, he had the looks of terror down pat. He had the fear, um, which I realize is also terror down pat, but (laughs) 
Um, I just thought he did a really great job. That's a really good answer. With an honorable mention to Giovanni Ribisi, just for the death scene alone. I know, right? I, I also have an honorable mention for Giovanni Ribisi. This, this category was so hard for me. And, and I'm almost ashamed of my answer because I feel like my answer is too cliche, but I, I chose Tom Hanks for best okay. performance. And I did because I, and I, I've mentioned this a few times that when I first saw the film and, and in subsequent viewings after my first time seeing the film, I never really felt like the actors were acting because they were so real. And I even you know, questioned Tom Hanks being nominated for best actor for this role because I thought he didn't, I was like, he didn't really do much, you know, like he didn't have these big like dramatic monologues and, but for some reason in this viewing, I got it because his, his portrayal of Captain Miller was so authentic Mm -hmm. um, that again, that, that detachment, that being able to act quickly to make decisions, decisions that are difficult. Um, his, you know, when he reveals to everybody that he was an English teacher and he's from, was he from Pennsylvania? Mm-hmm. You know, that he's just this normal guy who's now, you know, in this war yeah. um, and, and who seems to, I, I feel like sees the senselessness in all of it. And at this point in the story, when we're brought into his world, he's at a point where I'm just following orders. I just got to follow orders because if that's what it takes to get me home to my wife, um, there was just something really, again, I keep coming back to that word real and authentic about his performance and about that character that I think, again, is one of those reasons why I would argue that this is the best war film ever made because it goes in the opposite direction of trying to over-dramatize everything that's happening. Um, I think that this movie is the most successful at doing that. You know, there are other, like The Thin Red Line, I think is another great, have you seen The Thin Red Line? Nope, never saw it. Okay. I mean, that's another, that's another great film, I think. Um, but, but there's, there's something about this movie in particular that, and, and I think part of it is that opening d-day sequence um the 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 graininess and the grittiness of the of the film um you know every even like they they base the filming on um the like um film reels and and photos from that era you know everything about it is just so real and i think that tom hanks plays to that perfectly in this role um, in this role that's commanding that, and then there are these layers that slowly peel away. I totally agree that Upham has the biggest arc in the whole film. And, and, and I agree, I think Jeremy Davies is, is wonderful. And I think he plays that role perfectly. Um, but I, I like, I appreciate Tom Hanks um, being able to slowly peel those layers away for us. Yeah, so yeah that- he's incredible. Right, yeah. And then by the time we really, really, really feel like we're actually getting somewhere, um, you know, he dies at the end and you're just like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's you, (laughs) you just mentioned my, you lost me at, at moment. Um, it was the opening scene. I like could not, I at one point paused it and I said to Sean, like, is, 
is anything like is this moving the plot forward or are they just recreating this because I can't watch this and then we unpaused and I watched the rest but it <laughs> I was like I can't this is too hard to watch oh my gosh I almost- and it's crazy because I think that that's like one of the best parts of the movie because it's so real and authentic. It was just, I, I would say again, like if anyone's listening and wants to watch the movie and you really struggle with that, you may actually want to skip it. Can I skip ahead and say something? Is it your you had me at moment? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already know we're not gonna we're get not, we're not, we're not gonna make it <laughs> oh my god that is hilarious but I respect that like I totally I I think for a lot of people and certainly if, if we were just naming things that we appreciated about film that would be mine too but yeah. it just it broke my heart the whole thing just broke my heart yeah I mean it, it's intense right and and there's no I mean he just gets right into it and it's not like with when we talked about the matrix and I mean the opening of the matrix is this intense action sequence but but it's completely different because this again this is very real and gritty and and knowing it happened like this actually happened to people I think that was the thing that I could I would that made it so hard for me to watch Yeah. yeah I felt like I was watching it like really happening and to see people suffer was just I mean, nobody wants to watch other people. Well, no normal people want to watch people suffer. No emotionally stable. (laughs) People want to watch other people suffer. All right. Well, you lost me at Upham translating Edith Piaf's song. Mm, Yeah, that was kind of annoying. I went went with the, uh, let me check my phone (laughs) answer here. And because I, I remember that scene differently. I remember the song, the lyrics of the song fitting the film or the mood of, of the film. Like I, for some reason, I thought that it was metaphorical in some way, but, but it's not really. Um, I, I can understand why it's part of the film because it is this moment of calm before the storm. Um, and it's, up and sort of connecting or trying to make an attempt to connect with the soldiers in in some way in a way that he knows how you know he's a translator that's what that's his main gig you know um so that's that's his way of that's his contribution Mm -hmm. to the war and maybe he feels maybe kind of going back to what you were saying before maybe he feels up until his breaking point that that's his only contribution. That's, that's all he's capable of contributing. So in that sense, I, I can understand why that would be there, but it just felt unnecessary. I felt like if that had been taken out of the movie, I wouldn't have missed it. Yeah. I feel like it was almost there to be like, see, he's the translator. Right. Just a reminder. Like in case you forgot. (laughs) Look at him translating all these languages. Such a good translator. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. By the um, way, I have to say it is, I have just as a side note, because I, cause I lived in France for a while and I, I used to speak pretty fluently and it's interesting for the life of me, I could never translate. 
Like if I were listening to something in French, I had the hardest time translating that into English. Like if a friend of mine was visiting and someone was saying something in French and they were like, what'd they say? It, it was really hard for me to explain in English what they were saying, huh. but I could easily, like if someone in English was speaking to someone and someone in French was, you know, someone French was like, what'd they say? I could easily translate. Isn't that weird? Uh, probably because you have a better understanding of English. So it'd be easier yeah. to, I don't know. But it's always hard. Cause even like when I listen to the song, I'm like, I get what she's saying, but I can't, I can't quickly like, I don't know. Anyway, that's my fun little side note. All right. Well, my you had me at scene was when they were, gosh, I wish I knew people's names. Um, <laughs> they were talking to this other guy and they were trying to like, they were talking about how they were trying to save a general. And then because they were trying to save the general, like a bunch of other people died. And so then they all, they're like all standing around in whatever aircraft that has landed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> suck at this um, but it's when they they all say like foobar 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 and I loved that scene because you know it sort of is is capturing the thought that everybody is already thinking like why are we risk you know why do we risk all of our lives for one other person and then I mean foobar just makes me laugh because it's fucked up beyond all recognition and that's yeah. what this whole scenario is yeah this whole war and then furthermore, it's also funnier that Upham is like, I looked in all the books and I can't find that word. <laughs> I like, know. What does it mean? <laughs> um, but that that scene in particular where they all just they all just say it and you can see that they all really feel it and mean it and and yeah, agree. Fubar, yeah, man, totally Fubar. Which is it? a good segue to my favorite line because I also feel like my favorite line kind of sums up this whole movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was when captain miller said he's talking about private ryan and he says he better be worth it he better go home and cure a disease or invent a longer lasting light bulb and it's true like it's you know we're trying to find this guy the army has valued this person's life as more important than ours he better be worth it but then I also like that there's like a sense of humor in that sentence because it's like, again, you just try to find something light in all the dark, no matter what. I love that. Um, I did not pick that line. Man. <laughs> but I felt like my line also kind of touches on the point of the film or not the point of the film, but one of those bigger ideas. And it's, Captain Miller's last words, earn this. Oh, that is good. Those two words mess me up every single time. When I first saw this movie and he said that, I lost it. And then when we flash forward to Ryan in front of his gravestone and and he talks about, I, I tried to live a good life, you know, was it worth it? Oh, mm-hmm. that just rips my guts out every single time because this movie is so much, so much of this film like puts us into the senselessness of war yeah. and killing and fighting, but we get a little taste of survivor's guilt 
at the end, which is another piece of it. You know, the, there's, there's the post-traumatic stress, but then there's also the guilt, you know, why did I survive and all of these other people die? Why, why am I, am I special? Like, and, and did I deserve to live? And the thought of carrying that weight for your entire life. Yeah. Sounds unbearable. Um, and that's why his wife should have been a, just a little bit more supportive. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Like, come on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, and I, and, and that idea kind of, again, I think what the line that you picked sort of touches on that, you know, like he better earn this, you know, it's not what he says in the line that you pick, but I think that the sentiment is still there, right? Yeah. He should, he better be worth it. Mm -hmm. If you're not worth it, earn it. Yeah. But, um, it, that, uh, Sonia, every time waterworks. Yeah. I can't, I can't not cry. Yeah. And, and part of it is also because, uh, you know, Tom Hanks's character dies. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and, and also Ryan doesn't ask for that. Right. And he, even when there, he's told he has to leave, he's like, I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm staying here. I have a job. Um, And I'm sure that his guilt is exacerbated by that because had they left, they probably wouldn't have died. Yeah. Well, but maybe they wouldn't have died there. Yeah. And that's the other thing that's interesting. You know, they, because we, we walk away from the film thinking, well, they died because of him or maybe we don't, but, but, but I think to the bigger point of the film, would they have just died another way? Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like with the, with the steamboat Willie, if we let him go, he's just going to, you know, someone's going to pick him up and he's just going to keep killing yeah. So either kill him now or he, or, you know, or he's going to like, he ends up dying later anyway. So, you know, would, there's no guarantee that any of them would have survived if they hadn't been given these orders. Mm-hmm. But, but now, but now we have this, this man who, who lives with this burden feeling like he's the reason why all of these men died. And, and, and he's not, it's, he's not why they died. They died because there was a war. Yeah. Um, so uh, to me, to me, those, um, those two words carry a very heavy weight. So that's why it was my favorite line. It's a good line. Yeah. Yours was a good line too. Thank you. Oh, Sonia. Well, we oh. didn't get three points, but we got one. We got one point. Steamboat Willie. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Steamboat Willie. Thanks, Steamboat <laughs> Willie. But that's okay because you know what? What? We're now two points away. Mm-hmm. And I have a pretty fun movie. Oh, good. I hope it's for us. a lighthearted one. <laughs> this is a very, this is, this is like the complete other end of the spectrum. Good. Um, because I, again, you know, we talk about things that kept Sonia up at night. What was keeping me up at night was after our discussion on Stand By Me and realizing I had picked Saving Private Ryan. So we've had two <laughs> like really heavy movies in a row. Yeah. So I decided to go with a lighthearted slapstick romantic comedy. So Sonia, the next movie that we are going to be watching and talking about is Drumroll, please. Brrr. 
there's something about Mary. Okay. I cannot wait to talk about this with you. Sonia, what is the movie about? Cameron Diaz is Mary. And although I disagree, everyone thinks she's really hot. And so is it Ben Stiller is the guy? Like somehow lies to her and gets to date her and just comedic things happen. <laughs> You're not reacting, which makes I'm just, me think I'm I'm playing it, I'm playing it <laughs> close to the chest here. <laughs> and I know there's a scene where something gross happens. <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. There are a lot of gross things that happen. Yeah, but I'm, like I'm, the the one with the hair <laughs> the hair gel in quotes. I say hair gel. I actually that was my Halloween costume one year. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We'll talk more about that in our next episode. And I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited to dive into this movie. We'll get into something lighthearted. I'm excited to see what drink you come up with. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be so much fun. Are you excited? I am. I'm glad to watch a comedy. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll try to keep, we'll try to keep this comedy train going for a little bit. Good. For you, for me, for all of our listeners out there. So that's it. That's the end of our episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at MNSIPod. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends. And join us next time with your cocktail at the ready when we talk about There's Something About Mary. We'll see you then because we've got lots more to watch. And I've seen nothing. So please keep listening. And we'll keep watching. Bye. Bye. Bye.